I'm Andy Green, and this week we're talking about the pressure for success and fear of failure, because this is the Naked Man Podcast. I got married last year during the pandemic, but when the quarantine struck, my partner and I wondered whether we should postpone the wedding or even go through with it that year. Eventually though, we realized we wanted to get married, even if our families couldn't be there, no matter how hard that was for all of us. But we didn't wanna live on pause. We didn't wanna be at the mercy of this pandemic any more than we already were. So we went forward with a private wedding attended by only seven people, including ourselves. And we made it an event. Thanks to our private chef, Wes Avila, our photographer and videographer at Legacy Union Photo, my sister Robin, and our dear friend and officiant, Elvis. But our clothes definitely helped. I got my suit from Suit Supply. It was one of my first in-store adventures that wasn't a grocery store since mid-March. I went for a light gray Havana jacket and Soho trousers. But I wanted to be bold with my tie, and none of the ties at Suit Supply fit my vision for, I guess, my wedding day garb. And my tailor, Michael, he gave me a recommendation, a friend's business of his, a bespoke Neapolitan suit company based out of Virginia called the Ten of Pentacles. I went online that afternoon and was immediately smitten by the designs, the artistry on display, and bought a rad mid-century modern geometric print tie that immediately became my favorite article of clothing that I own. When it came time to share photos and videos of the event with all the friends and family we weren't able to have in attendance for our special day, I connected with Ten of Pentacles on Instagram. And that's when the real flirting began. And and I say flirting as a joke, but I actually, I really did have this instinct to talk to the man behind the fabric. I I started to follow the company and I learned more about its brand and its founder, Marcel P. Ames, my guest for today's conversation. Marcel's story immediately inspired and spoke to me as an artist, as a human being. I'm going to simplify it now to give context for us, but I imagine we'll go deeper. Marcel is a former mental health counselor turned member of the Richmond Police Department who was unable to return to the force following complications with a concussion after the city withheld medical treatment. Around the same time, Marcel's father died and there was a foreclosure on their home. Weathering depression, suicidal ideation, and the vigors of physical therapy, what did Marcel do? He followed his heart, his art. He taught himself graphic design and how to sew. He picked up a pen and started to doodle his own company into existence, the Ten of Pentacles. Marcel has since shared his story as a motivational speaker, a speech I will share in the episode notes. It's great. But today, we're hoping to explore the overwhelming pressure for success and how that intersects with masculinity and the omnipresent fear of failure we both have and have already connected on. So enough of my voice. Marcel P. Ames, welcome to the Naked Man podcast. Thank you for having me, Andy. I appreciate it. Yeah, yes. you're very welcome. Thank you. I mean, this is this is surreal and cool, which is like, I think, how I want to live my life. <laughs> yeah, so I think we should all live that way. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Uh, okay, so how did I do? Uh, I mean, I, on the story, I, I always feel sort of weird trying to put someone's life in a box when I know that that is not, that is what you strive no, to break out from. I, I think you uh, summarize it better than I ever could. I, <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I tell, I tell that story so many times. So it's, um, 
it's hard to keep it concise when, and I'm, you'll learn that about me too. Like that's sort of my nature. It's harder for me to simplify or, you know, condense certain things when there's so many important details as, as a part of it. That's, and that's a sidebar that, you know, that's something that goes like going into the, uh, design process and thought process and, you know, that, that mental exercise we sort of do with our careers and, and daily lives. Yeah. The details and, and those sort of, you know, tangents that we go on, that's, that's what I love to like, that's what a real conversation is. So let's, let's go down those roads and follow that for sure. I, I think I have the same thing. I mean, for some reason I'm able to, to summarize other, like when it's not me or my mm -hmm. idea, I can summarize that. When it's my idea, it's just, whoa, here we go. Yeah. There's like 18 <laughs> paragraphs. The the sentences are run on. I'm trying to tell 14 stories at once because I want everyone to love it. And that's impossible. Yes. Uh, so, so yeah, I know. I think that sounds like, uh, judging by your face, you know what that feeling is. I, I know exactly what that feeling is. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I, I like to ask every guest uh, to start us off just to sort of ground us in this moment. Uh, how mm -hmm. are you feeling in this moment right now? Hmm. It's a very interesting question. I'm um, present, um, a little lethargic, and um, maybe a little bit of anxious energy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is that anxious energy for this or is it sort of the business, the art brain working in the background at all times? It's more, it's more the business brain. I am excited for this. Let's be, yeah, I, let <laughs> oh no, just, I wasn't, I was, that yeah. wasn't. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, but I was saying I, I am excited for this. So I'm, that does contribute to it. I think it's, it's more so though that like in the back of your head, you're like, Oh shit. Okay. What do I have to do? You know, Wednesday, I need a lot of stuff. Like, oh shit, I haven't printed these things yet. All, all of the wheels are, are spinning, especially during this, you know, this holiday season. So yes, uh, my and, apologies for that. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. The yeah. wheels, believe me, I am doing my best to appear like I am completely here. And I, and that's, that's this, that's what the practice is. That's what this sort of is, is to keep me here with you, even though, yeah, you know, I, I haven't responded to someone and I'm probably going to forget if I don't do it right now, you know, like whatever it is. Yeah. And That'll be okay. Cause that, that guy will wait. Yeah. The world will wait while we, cause I think for me, the thought I was having as I was making my tie or tying my tie was like, Oh, I don't think I've ever worn a tie that the person designed, like has seen, <laughs> like seen me in it. You know, I, I, you, I know you saw it online, but it just like yeah. in person, it's like, I was like, Oh, I'm probably going to screw up this tie. I got to like, <laughs> no, no, no. It looks great. I'm, it's, yeah. It's, that's uh, very surreal looking at this right now. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Whoa, I remember that. I, I have one of these. Like, oh gosh, it wasn't that long ago, but I'm just like, wow. This yeah. came from your brain. Isn't that the coolest thing? So weird. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I mean, I guess whenever children happens for me, that feeling will feel all the time, right? Wait, that? That's you're like, that's mine. <laughs> and I guess that's sort of what the artist is doing with every piece too. I always call my ideas children sometimes, or not Very always. Much. I learned it in therapy because it was sort of like, I love, that's why I love all my ideas and they hurt yes. when they don't work. <laughs> do you have They that? do hurt. And, and then you have to like do like uh, the people under the stairs and you just shove them under the house somewhere <laughs> and put a lock on the door. <laughs> you know, that idea is never getting out of here. That is not yeah. a healthy way to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the people under the stairs is a great reference, though. I actually saw that for the first time last month. Great, really? Yeah, a great 
lesser known Wes Craven. Yeah. 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 As well yeah. as the uh his rendition of Phantom of the Opera. Ooh. I feel like is is uh, is underrated. A lot of people sleep on that one. Ooh, I, I don't think and, I've seen that either. And so. Robert England is actually in that. Yeah. Uh, well, then I already know that I made a mistake, and we need to be talking about <laughs> horror movies right now. Uh, and we'll we'll do it. I know. I, I know you had a lot of Nosferatu going on. Uh, there's a there's a very good reason. Yes, why my editorial this season is is shot the way it is, and yes, very yeah. very into horror. So if we can we can. I'm very happy to go down that road as well. Uh, we can jump on that tangent too. That'll be the that'll be the spinoff <laughs> the spinoff of yeah. this conversation. Yes, horror is I think the getting out of the box and, and like mm-hmm. the easiest way. Or for me, that's when those movies do that the most routinely. And so mm-hmm. uh, and I know that that's sort of what you as an artist. Do don't want to like it is a neapolitan brand and it is traditional right and has mm-hmm. all these uh it's baked in that but i think you're trying to not be necessarily beholden to it at the same time right it's sort of balance it's a balance it, it, absolutely it's a balance it's like yeah like you said you know it's sort of the the base with us being a you know neapolitan brand and being very traditional it's old old school like think you know you think like guys it's like guys walking around naples and they're you know 50s or something like that much more subtle type of thing so having that is sort of the foundation but also me being me and uh sort of injecting my dna into that and you know it being american and you know having all of these very personal references and and spirits to it then you know it's it's looked at under a more contemporary lens being able to honor and you know keep tradition alive but also you know being able to do your own interpretation of something and and complement it in a way that works well for both but feels more I don't know, felt for, at least for me, feels more genuine and not so pretentious like a luxury clothing can be. And a lot of, you know, luxury brands and, you know, it's like, can we, you know, how many, we're going to smoke Cuban cigars, sipping a, you know, Negroni on the Riviera and blah, blah, you know, it's like, okay, that shit is cool. I like that too. But like, <laughs> <laughs> most of us aren't necessarily doing that. I, you know, I get the aspirational aspects behind it, but, you know, with Ten of Pentacles for me, it was like, you know, we, it's, we are very luxurious and there it's those subtle details you don't even think about or know of until you're very close up on them or you you just like you just know about them like who crow's foot stitching you know on on buttons and shanking buttons and little things like that that I don't want to say insider because it sounds kind of douchey, but like <laughs> menswear aficionados, I, that sounds kind of douchey too, but I'm gonna run with it. Those sorts <laughs> of things that you know we, we see as, as as being hallmarks of something that is luxurious, that is that is very well made. Where the fuck was I going with this? <laughs> well, here I'm in my language, by the way, too. I'm, oh no, no, no! The language is great. That's yeah. That that is. I'm. I will swear as well. And here's a here's a fucking tangent for you. Uh, uh, so, like when you were talking about buttons, yes. I had this memory of it. Like as a kid, I was afraid of buttons. I I didn't like because I couldn't do them, or it was hard for me to do it. And like to button shirts and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and it also, I think in this moment, I'm thinking it was also sort of the idea of it felt like there was a masculine energy to it, or like I'm a man if I'm wearing a button shirt. And, mm-hmm. and I wasn't a man, I was a kid, you know, right. or, or something. It felt like pretending. 
and not in a way that was fun. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's what I'm going. Like if this is therapy, that's, I think where Mm -hmm. I'm at. Cause Mm -hmm. I just remember it was mostly cause I'm afraid of failure and I wasn't able to button buttons. So that was the main thing of like, Oh, I'm bad at it. I don't. And by bad at it, meaning I wouldn't try because I didn't know how to do it. That's sort of what it is. That was me for like tying shoes, other things like that. Very Uh sort of tent pole things for children that would sort of come easy. Those things did not come easy to me. It was sort of like, Oh, I can't do it. (laughs) I don't know. That is very interesting. Huh? Yeah. I don't know that. So I don't know where I went with that, but how long did that and how long did that last? Weirdly, like, I think it sort of had whispers into my sort of lack of fashion sense later where like I was wearing sweatpants beyond when I probably it was okay to do so or, um, and I didn't really like jeans either zippers. Like it was Uh just sort of weird. I was just, uh, um, but I think I, I want to say probably intermediate or, or like fourth or sixth grade is when that sort of was able to change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't even know. I think I just wore t-shirts because that was comfortable. I didn't have to worry about it. And then yeah. either sweats or like whatever, what are other things? Oh, like khakis, like shorts and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Cause I, you mm-hmm. know, I played sports. So it was sort of, that was my, my thing, but yeah, I, yeah. it was just this like fear of not, I guess. Yeah. What's the, like, I don't know if it was because I didn't, it was mostly because I didn't know how, but I don't know mm-hmm. why I didn't even really try or yeah. what was going to happen if I missed a button or, or whatever mm-hmm. the like mm-hmm. fear was. But, um, I'm assuming you were, uh, the king of buttons. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it made me think of, uh, my, like I'd hang out with a cousin of mine when I was younger. And I remember we'd go to department stores as kids and like, you know, and it would be walking around the store, like looking at stuff. And we would, we made this game up of like, who can collect the most buttons you, know, you get like extra buttons on your clothing and the tags and all this stuff. And we would go around the racks and just like snatch buttons off and we put them in our pocket and we just have like all these buttons. And it was the most bizarre thing in the world, but I do like buttons. So maybe that's like, yeah, you know, that... this is our past that, you know, becomes a part of us becomes sort of, it's like getting a little thing injected into you and it just kind of flows through the bloodstream. But yes, I like, I like buttons very much. <laughs> and well, and that's like, it's kind of, yeah, it's interesting. It was like the, maybe one of the first instances of uh, like a, a symbol of what you were going to become or sort mm-hmm. of like aware of the artistry in your mm-hmm. brain. Uh, you know, that's really, that's really cool. And I also like, for me, it was like when I learned to tie a tie, when I learned to do all those different things and it was no longer I mean, I still sort of feel like the boy whenever I'm tying a tie. I still yeah. like, oh, it's never, doesn't feel natural. Yeah. But, you know, I worked at a bank, you know, I didn't like the job, but what it did do was force me every day I was wearing a tie and I, mm. I, I fucking loved it. You know, I like yeah. really liked to, I was like, oh, looking good is fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like I, for some reason, I always was afraid to do that. I guess I didn't uh-huh. want attention or didn't think I deserved to look good. I don't know. Um, yeah, we're getting, I didn't know we were going to get into that. Uh, today. Yeah, but yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Bring well, it on. Yeah, I guess I'm the one who needs therapy today, Marcel. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh my God. No, I have. I haven't uh, had therapy in a little while, so it's it's good. This is good. We get. Yeah, we're having some therapeutic conversations. What was I going to say regarding? Okay, like looking. You know, we think about looking good, and we think yes. about like what 
what looks good. And I guess that more pertains to like, you know, uh, status quo, like, you know, majority of people would consider to look good. And you think about how it's so subjective and how there are these things that govern as to what looks good and what does not look good or what is cool and what's not cool. And something that one person might say looks like shit and this, you know, but if an authority figure or, you know, something of that nature designates it as being the cool thing. I mean, you look at a lot of clothing now, like, you know, there's so much ebb and flow with regards to trend driven clothing. And, you know, I was kind of going back and forth between that. Now we're in this, the large phase, so to speak. So prior to that, it was like skinny, everything, skinny jeans, skinny suits, skinny ties, skinny blah, 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 blah. And, you know, now things are bigger or this sort of weird space we're in where, you know, obviously streetwear has, you know, changed the entire industry as a, as a whole, but, you know, people's interpretations of what looks good and what does, you know, you see some crazy stuff sometimes, even for, for myself as a creative, I'm like, oh, that, you know, that's interesting. But I'm like, I guess that, you know, you see more of that. And I was like, okay, I guess that's the thing. And um, so it's just always interesting, you know, with when we strive to attain what is going to look good versus what we feel good in. Mm. And I think, you know, people developing their their wardrobes and that sort of thing, like, I guess you kind of have like your own personal reasons for, you know, certain things or, you know, set of of values. Do you want something that's um, sustainable and, you know, is is green, something that is, you know, super high end or uses a certain caliber of, of materials or labor to achieve it? You know, all of these little things that, I guess, determine what we feel is is good. But, you know, I guess I'm saying all of this to say I can relate to that as a, especially as a younger person and like wanting or not feeling like I deserve to look good or, you know, knowing what that was, being comfortable in in that space. And I guess this kind of ties into sort of what, you know, we we wanted to discuss. We talk about like bravery and fear and you know, really leaning into ourselves as individuals and clothing sort of being this this outlet to express those things and sort of take risks. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we can kind of take it off. And yeah, sorry. I'm like... <laughs> oh, no, I, I loved it. I loved it. And, and and I sort of, for me to like, to boil that down or what I was sort of thinking was that, yeah, I mean... There is really no necessarily universal definition of cool. And, yes. but like what is cool is always someone who is themselves and, yes. and knows who them and is confident and, authenticity. and doesn't give a sh- authenticity. Exactly. And I think for me, how that connects to that I didn't like, I didn't feel like I could look good was that I didn't know who I was either. I didn't know who I was supposed to be. I didn't fit in necessarily in any sort of, I didn't want to fit into a box either, but I also Certainly. had no confidence of where I should go. And I did, I just didn't know who I was. Right. And so that felt, I think that extended to my clothes. I I did Mm -hmm. the bare minimum for very long because I sort of, it felt like me not making a choice, you know? And I think it also sort of was like, I mean, yeah. I mean, if I'm wearing sweatpants in high school, I'm clearly not like trying to make a statement at all, at least not a a good one, Uh, you know, or at least it didn't work. Uh, So yeah, I think I really was just sort of on the fence 
I didn't really, it, it's one, I think it's because I'm talking to someone who's, you know, designs clothes that I'm just like now making the connection between those different things. And it really was mm-hmm. finding people. I mean, like my partner who's like, oh no, you look good in this thing. And like, yeah. I remember being in an improv class where they were like, don't wear loud shirts because you don't like, you're funny, not your shirt. You know, like people mm-hmm. wear funny shirts if they don't have personality, basically, you know, sort of. And, right. and to me, it was sort of like, I would, I wore them as badges of what I liked. Like that mm-hmm. was me telling, that was me telling myself. Cause I didn't really want to say it. You know, I didn't yeah. want to say that I love Dawson's Creek, but I wore a Dawson's Creek shirt at improv. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that did lead to me having a podcast for 200 episodes with someone. So like, there's not a bad thing there, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's my ramble. I'm, I'm we're trading rambles. We're trading rambles back and forth. We got to, there's, there's, there's so much. I think that's, I mean, that's the beauty of conversation. The the further you go, you know, it's like walking through this forest and then there are all these little sort of veiny paths that, you know, lead to other places. And sometimes they come back to the main one and sometimes you're in a fucking stream somewhere, but like (laughs) your clothes are all wet. Yeah. Your, your, your cell phone's been ruined and you're lost and yeah, it's sort of, I'm, I'm like that where it's like, Ooh, something shiny or like interesting. Let's poke yes. at that. Uh, you know, that's where the adventure is. I think uh, it is, it is. What do you think? I mean, like we think about, you know, I guess like the coming of age and, um, learning and understanding ourselves and us starting to begin to figure out who we are. And with regards to like clothing, I mean, you know, if you're a freaking kid, like you don't have money to spend on clothing or it's an investment not just yes. a monet- monetary investment but like you know clothing and putting something putting together an outfit purchasing the outfit that's a mental investment into something you know if it looks good then you're like oh shit well how do i keep this up well you know what am i going to do next and that whole thing so you know as kids if you don't have money or you you know your parents don't have money like my parents didn't buy me like designer clothing, any of like, you know, my, my stuff was like, hand me down the shit out of target, you know, until I was maybe like a senior in high school. And even then it was like one piece, you know, I couldn't buy that. But I, again, as you said, you know, we were still figuring ourselves out, you know, who was I fucking 17 years old, you know, it, yeah. that didn't, that didn't begin until going away to college so I think for a lot of people, like, you know, you go away, you're leaving home, you're thrown all of these new responsibilities, you know, including being responsible for yourself and get to experience different personalities and things. And all of these scenarios start to impact you as an individual, as a, a young adult. And you start to find things. Maybe I'm not this extension of my parents. I am actually, you know, I am who I am. These are things that raise me, but maybe that's not necessarily who I am. And so that that's a lot of people's journey. And I think clothing definitely ties into that, uh, this this path of self-discovery in our lives. Did you have uh, a moment of self-discovery with clothes? Or is it more of, I mean, I guess you did in terms of designing them, certainly. But uh, do you know what I mean? Like, like I guess, because I, I actually did come up with a moment maybe where I was like, oh, like the first time I tried to like be weird, 
you know, or try uh-huh. to like express myself. And I mean, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll share, I was, I, I'll share it if, if you don't have one that immediately comes to mind. No, sh- share it. Let's okay. go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I, 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 like, cause when you said senior in high school, I was like, Oh, uh-huh. okay. I remember I went to a thrift store with a friend and we like got like, I got like this really weird seventies suit jacket, like yellow, like car salesman thing. Yeah. And then I got a straw hat from like JC Penny or something, but uh-huh. like, it was like kind of a, a, a nice hat, not like a, yeah. a farmer straw hat, but like, right. you know, something, it was still weird. Uh-huh. And then I think I, I mean, what the worst part was that I wore a wedding crasher shirt under it. Cause that was like, what was <laughs> cool. And, all, but now that movie I'm, is very problematic and always was, yeah. uh, yeah. it's a funny movie, but yeah. So right. I remember that, yeah. that's the part of the, uh, the wardrobe I would take back, but I, I forget what my pants were, but that was the, uh, that, that was my first day of school senior year, like my coming out <laughs> party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and actually, yeah, senior year, I did sort of like, I guess I, I actually made more friends and was more social and was more in the sort of, I actually participated in school, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of beyond what the classes, you know. Sure. So you that, was, that was the symbolic thing. Huh. And it just comes naturally when you start or attempt to walk down that path of being authentic to you. Right. And it's, I mean, it's not like everyone was like, well, that's an incredible outfit. Cause I don't think anyone said anything like that, but it was just yeah. sort of like, Oh, like no one really cares. Yeah. Or it's also like, this kind of feels fun. And I also feel slightly outside of myself too. And it's uh-huh. like who I'm playing. And now, you know, I'm not just Andy shy Andy, Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, Senior year, Andy, new, new beginning. I can be whoever the fuck I want to be. And now I sort of realize that that's, that is me almost every day. I'm like, okay, sometimes to an annoying extent where it's like, oh, I, I should probably stay in my lane slightly, but I'm just, it's like the forest, every tree I want to climb. They all look like they all have different views, you know? Yeah. 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 (laughs) You got to experience them all. Yeah. It sounds like I have ADD, but I, I don't, but that's, that's what it feels like when we're talking about these forest things of like, uh-huh. Oh, distracted by shiny objects sort of idea, but it's more, it's more curiosity for me. Like, it's just, mm. I want to know everything, but I sort of know a little bit about something. I don't know. Well, no sure. one knows anything. That's, I guess my main. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Do you, do you have any moment like that or do you, did you have a moment, actually, if we can take it to the art part of like when you had a design that was like, oh, okay, I am a designer now and not just full of shit, you know, or, or like. Um, I think with the uh, the Monarch jacket that I did, which is, I think that was the first piece I did where I felt like a designer designer. I guess I could say that with some of the shirts too. I mean, it, it was literally just like with me sketching out and making these like shirt collars and you know the bodices for the patterns and all of these elements it's just like butcher's paper every fucking where and scissors and pencils pens and everything so um but i guess with garments as opposed to like you know the graphic illustration things that i do with the accessories you know that is just like I still didn't feel quite like I'm like, mm, I don't know if I'd be like, you know, r- respected yet. Like I need to do some clothing. I need to do like garments and doing that piece, which was, you know, an original idea and was, you know, again, very personal for me in every aspect of it. And, it you know, being a garment and having to go through the uh, 
like a pattern grading process and all, you know, all these different steps that go on behind the scenes when you're making things. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm legit. And show, you know, and show, showing other designers that I knew, and they're like, oh, you know, you're doing your own tech packs. So this looks good. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, um, I'm starting to uh, move away from the whole imposter syndrome thing, which I'm, it's a bit, it's a big, like, uh, you know, hot take, I think these days, like, you know, imposter syndrome and people not feeling comfortable in certain spaces and being themselves and people not being feeling, feeling comfortable being, being themselves and, um, you know, excelling in things or being recognized for doing well in something and achieving something and being able to celebrate that. I think there's so many barriers that hinder us from being able to stop to celebrate ourselves or, you know, because if you do too much and it's like, ah, you know, maybe that guy's like narcissistic or, you know, right. he's like a narcissist if you're talking about yourself too much, which can be annoying. But I think just having a, a confidence in your abilities and are, are com- finding comfort in that and, you know, having a sense of pride that, you know, you've worked so hard, worked and done things that no one on this planet is has seen you do like this is just you in a room doing these things to take yourself to this next level and then you have these moments where i'm like you know do i belong here am i good enough am i blah 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 and i mean i know for me there were certain instances where i was like i'm good enough i'm i'm good like i you know at this point like i you know i i might even say in my head like i'm the shit like people don't know it yet (laughs) you know not that many people know yet or i haven't got there i'm like fuck this i'm just like fuck you know because you i mean i'll give you examples like with the the brand that you mentioned earlier you know in the podcast like i you know i i think i've thrown some stuff up and i debated even talking about those things because i'm like you know it's it's not going to get me anywhere. You know, I might have a few people who are like, oh gosh, that's, you know, like it sucks because it does. Like you get that kind of support from it, but it's like, you know, okay. Like I don't, I don't want to detract from the brand, but, you know, going after low frequency, things like that. But, you know, having those moments, having to look at that as a creative and I'm talking about like the suit supply thing, like, and just being like, okay, cool. You know, all right. Uh, you know, thanks. I appreciate it. You know, or the, the Virgil Abloh thing with the off-white, those kinds of experience where like, you know, you're reaching out to try to work with people or, you know, collab or, you know, get some advice or do blah, blah, blah. blah. And then it's like, you know, then you see a portion or interpretation of your design show up somewhere else and the same themes and everything else. And this is like, well, this guy is the fucking like, golden child of the fashion industry and you know doing shit with Kanye West and blah 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 blah. I'm like oh but he you know and he stole some of this stuff but I'm like I think I'm good I think you know I think I'm good like okay maybe you know I do I do fucking belong here because this jackass just (laughs) you know took my shit and you know now they have a new logo for the brand or instances like that or I'm like you know I, but I put these trousers out two years ago and it's the same exact fabric design and it's even called it's even named after me like you know having oh, wow. having having those sorts you know like that was a suit supply thing like having those sorts of moments and just being like clearly I'm fucking good because you know all these things are or you know or I'll even say just more like moments like even watching peers and I'll have designed something and I'll kind of sit on it and I'll liken this feeling to that of like when you were in a classroom as a kid in elementary school and you knew the answer to 
whatever the question the teacher was asking, but you were scared to raise your hand. And then some other kid raises their hand and, and says the answer. And you're like, I fucking knew it. That's what I, it's the exact same feeling of creating something. And, you know, then like a few months later, you see like, you know, somebody, you know, and they put out the same thing or, and it's just like, oh, and obviously like, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's just like, oh shit. Like that's, that's crazy. Cause I thought of that too, but it's just like, you know, okay, I'm on the right path because people that I respect in this industry that, you know, I follow whatever, if they're doing these things, I'd already planned to do this. Like I just didn't have the ability to put it out, you know, when I thought of it, I'm on the right track. And I guess it's that sort of form of validation. You know, I, I could take any of those scenarios and, you know, into a negative space. And I have before, but being able to look at it as just a compliment. Okay. Uh, it's validation. I am supposed to be here. I belong here. I'm doing the right things. I'm, I'm, I'm there. It just takes time and being prepared and, consistency and being persistent in what I'm doing. Um, not, not necessarily that I am horrible at what I'm doing. I'm a bad person. I suck as an artist or all of these, these negative things that we play in our heads as we're pursuing these things that we're scared of or, you know, or have aspired to do. And we get in there and we're like, oh shit, I'm, you know, I don't think I'm that good. I don't know, whatever. And it's like, but when you have those validating moments, it's like, I am good enough. I belong here. And it, it, Having those moments, oddly, it, it makes it easier to continue to move forward and are things to be able to reflect on when you have those periods of feeling like an imposter. That was a really long tangent. Oh, I, but. but I loved, <laughs> I loved every syllable. Uh, and you do belong here. And, and, and obviously, yeah, that is sort of like evidence, right? Like it's not how you want that the validation to come, certainly. But like to see evidence of your work and other people's and that it's being stolen is, yeah, that is uh, the highest compliment, but also yeah. like kind of a little bit of a dagger, of course. Um, but sure. like it's a, a, that journey that you described of like, mm -hmm. oh, using it to be motivating is is really inspiring. And also like, yeah, that's how you, because it is, it, we, you are on the right path. I am right. on the right path too. And, and I really connected with that too, because I think I've always... Uh, and it was also sort of in what you your speech where you talked about sort of being a passive dreamer versus an mm -hmm. active dreamer mm -hmm. and that idea of like, oh, I, I had the idea, but I didn't speak up or I didn't do it. And I think I felt like that most of my life where I was just sort of the fear of failure stopped me from trying sort of. And I, and I also have it's in building this case that I'm always behind. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I've always had that feeling where I'm just sort mm -hmm. of like, uh you know, s slower on the developmental curve of like just being a human being. I think we all feel that of like, oh, I'm not an adult yet. Oh, I don't have yeah. this yet. Oh, but yeah. like, but this was, especially in terms of art stuff, because I, I sort of mm -hmm. came to art and creative and writing late because I had no idea that that was where my path was, even though it sort of was clear in hindsight. But yes. one of those things, that's just the journey that I'm on. And that's me. That's what makes all the stuff that I'm picking it up will make me unique. And, and even though it's really hard to look in the mirror and think that I look you or that I am unique, but I, I am, we all are. You are. Uh, yeah. 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 And I was going to ask you, what was the turning point from like passive to active dreamer? And, and, and maybe if you wanted to give some context about that sort of, cause I thought that was one of the coolest things. And that was when I was like, oh, I really, really want to talk to Marcel. Cause I've always just felt Thank like you. this passive dreamer and like to be an active one to turn your dreams into a reality is like that. Uh. 
Yeah, I and there was another. I was gonna. I guess I'll. I'll oh, I'll please do do it. Of what you said, but yeah, with regards to you know that that fear fear of failure and with me, I think the the thing that I mean, obviously, the thing that pushed me through that was everything was gone. Everything had been taken. You know, to the certain point, I'd never felt like I'd done anything career-wise that was of my own origin. It was influence from other people, suggestions from other people, people pleasing, appeasing others, wanting some sort of security, you know, whatever that, you know, however we interpret that, you know, a home, steady paycheck, blah, blah, blah. And so when everything had kind of been stripped from me, this career that like, I wasn't that much of a fan of, but I planned on doing other things with whatever I was like, that gets taken away. I'm not the same person anymore as I have this head injury. Dad's dead. House is gone. You know, where am I going to live? Like all of this shit goes out of the fucking window in a matter of month. And in that period of bereavement and being numb, where, you know, normally, it, you know, somebody be like, oh, you know, I want you to be a designer or do whatever else. And you're just like, well, you know, you're fucking crazy. I, I don't I don't know the first I, I love clothing. I am a feel like I know more than the average person about clothing. But like, you know, how, how the hell am I going to do that? Instead of questioning those things, it, there, it was like there wasn't this other person in my head being like, you can't do this. This is this is absurd. How are you going to get the money to do this? How are you going to? You don't have the abilities. Blah blah blah. That normal chat that was in there. It was like it was just blank in my head. You just numb from pain and loss, and it sucked to to be in that place. But that was sort of the the catalyst for you know having this journey. Like I'm like, okay, what can I do that doesn't like give me a freaking migraine or isn't triggering to me about death or whatever else i'm like okay i'll just like sketch on the table or something i don't know i need an outlet and it just sort of blossomed from there you know with some encouragement and um just kind of being like fuck it like you know everything's going anyway if i don't if this shit doesn't work out i've been through worse you know if (laughs) if it does and even and even in starting at first my you know my first instinct was like well I'll just do this to have enough to create a portfolio to be able to work for someone else. Not, you know, in the beginning, like I wasn't, I didn't feel, I wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to go like, you know, gung ho. And with this brand with 10 of pentacles and it, you know, it was like, oh, maybe I'll just work for someone else first. You know, it was, it was, there was a little, you know, of that in there. Um, and as it went on, and of course, everybody being like, well, you know, we can't hire you. You don't have experience. You can, you know, you can do an internship with us if you move to New York, but you won't get paid, you know, all these things. And I'm like, I guess, universe, this means you're telling me something here, you, you know, and you start to figure shit out. Yeah. Make the experience for yourself. Right. Like that's yes. sort of what I'm learning now, too, because I yeah, I, I I have the same thing where it's like. I don't really have, I didn't have any qualifications necessarily. The evidence of what I do doesn't mm-hmm. really exist, even though I, I've been working pretty much on and off for my whole life of all these just sort of creative things, but it doesn't translate to a resume or to something that is easily marketable or sellable, right? And right. so I'm just like, oh, I just have to do the thing that I want to do. 
and then and stop waiting for permission to do it, right? And that's and that's sort of the same thing that you did, right? You're like, okay, I can't be an intern. I, I deserve more than that, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you do, and then ah, oh, man, created it. Yeah, it's a lot harder when we're sort of waiting for that sign or waiting for permission to do things. Oh gosh, what was that analogy I gave you? Um, and I don't know if you want me to get to that or not about fear. Oh yes, yes. That like, um, I mean, yeah, that you can get into that for sure. I mean, do yeah. you want me to? I have it here actually, if you want it. But you sure, can, if you want to, if you want to read it out. Yeah. So it is so easy to think of all the reasons why something can't work when fear is present, and so difficult to reframe ourselves to think of why it will work. There's always risk in anything we do. We're just more accepting of some things than others, i.e. risk of being injured in car accidents, yet we take transportation every single day. Pursuing your dreams is a lot like that. Nothing is exempt from risk. But if you don't gas the car up and get on the road, you'll always be stuck in the same place. Yeah. It's like that. <laughs> it's like that. It's like that. I'm, sitting, I'm like, shit. I'm like, did I say that shit? You did I say guess, that shit. I guess so. I mean, yeah, it's because there's there's always going to be a risk. I, I was working at the police department and thought, I, you know, we signed up for a 25-year, you know, pension, retirement, all those things. And it's supposed to be the most secure. You're working for the city government. This is the most secure job on the planet, you know, aside from maybe, you know, if, if, you, if you don't make it back home. But for all intents and purposes, you know, it's, it's a, a steady paycheck. And... Uh, you know, you think that's stable, but then you don't anticipate getting a concussion and, you know, negligent doctors and all these other things and shit getting thrown out of whack. And, you know, all of a sudden this secure career path is no more and you're not the same person you are. So there, you know, was that really secured to begin with? So if, you know, if I make it out of this thing, you know, if we make it out of this, this, uh, you know, traumatic event, am I going to go back to this other safe thing? Or am I, am I going to go this way and maybe try something a little different or try to do something I've really, really wanted to do for a long time. And it's, it's, it's hard to do when you are trying to maintain a living and, you know, do all, all the, you, you got to go to the grocery store and do laundry and clean. There's so many things that, you know, we as people have to do and it, it's hard to, to chase that. So it's like, you kind of either some, some shit happens to you or, you know, you just have to make a choice to go after it with an understanding that it feels risky because, you know, you may have no idea what you're doing or, you know, there's still a lot to learn. There's a you know, big learning curve, all of, all of these things. But, um, you know, there's also this big reward. Like, you know, um, what if I'm able to at least live a, a decent life doing something that I love or I feel fulfilled by, um, yeah, I could fail at it, but, you know, I could also, you know, get knocked on my head working at the bank or something. What the fuck? Well, you know, so I'm not getting any younger, you know, uh, time flies. I, you know, it doesn't even feel like it's November right now. It's, you know, things, things, things move so rapidly. You look, you get caught up in the day to day and, you know, look up and it's been like three, four months. And, um, It's it's one of those those things where you're like floating in a dream. So I guess the 
you know, active or, you know, lucid dreaming is just like, is taking that time to really commit to whatever it is that, you know, is, is in your heart, understanding, you know, whether you succeed at it or not, that, you know, at least you are allowing yourself to do this for you, right? Um, we're only on this planet, but for so long, uh, you know, one may even have, you know, many existential questions of, you know, why, why are we here? What is our purpose? But, you know, I think that that's a feeling that's in here and we have to allow ourselves the space to feel that, especially when it's something we've, you know, we're, we're on this path to discovery and you have to be able to kind of give that to yourself. Because nothing is sacred, nothing is promised, nothing is, you know, it, shit can happen for you, shit can happen to you, and that's life. So, yeah, I mean, you were saying, you know, the notion of stability, and I was sort of thinking, is there such a thing, you know, or, or you know, like, like you said, we can just get, you know, hurt at the bank or like happened at the, at your job or mm -hmm. a car accident, anything. I don't think there's any, no such thing, but we all strive for that sort of mythical being of, or the mythical ideal of security. And that I think cows us a lot of times into uh, shying us away from like maybe what we really want or to try something. But then if you, yeah, if you turn it around and be like, well, there's no, like, there is no such thing as that either. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it kind of, yeah, it, it helps. I had like so many things and now I'm, I'm, I'm where you were at where I was like, <laughs> it's like brain freeze. Yeah. No, I was just like, but that's the glory of editing. Uh, yes. And, and I, and I, fuck, what was I saying now? I'm, this is like, a <laughs> it's infectious. It's infectious. I think we're just being so empathetic of the other person that yes. we want the, we don't want the other person to feel bad for losing their place. So we're both doing it back and forth to each yes. other. Like, Oh, yes. we're both clueless. Good. Not that clueless isn't the right word. That's uh, I'm a little, yeah. I can feel a little clueless sometimes. So <laughs> like totally. <laughs> yeah. oh, hell of a film. Yes. Oh, I actually, okay. I think it connects to the ten, the 10 of Pentacles. Like the name yes. itself is mm -hmm. actually sort of about stability and long-term success. And so it's clearly like that was, it's even baked in your company and your dream was mm -hmm. this sort of mythical uh, uh, stability. But at the same time, I feel like the tarot is more about, it's more about the long-term success and, and focusing on like future generations and, and, and doing things that are good for the future and, and yourself. And that will sort of just trickle down. Is that, I think, for, I mean, that's like, based that on my very, is that, is that what, yeah, the card. Yeah. That, is that, yeah. For that, for that particular card, I think you, you pretty, you nailed it. That's the, the ethos of it. It's, you know, about, I think it was also for me about like being able to sort of enjoy the fruits of one's labor, mm -hmm. being able to sit back and gaze upon what you've built, whether that be, you know, this actual things, you know, a house, a car, material things that we think of, or whether that be you reflecting on you, that you are this plentiful field and you know family structure and all of these things like you know that can be interpreted in many ways uh not necessarily in the material world but you know at the end of the day it was just like you know you you work so hard we work so hard we you know have this precious life and only but so much time and so you know it's nice and we deserve to be able to reflect and enjoy these things that we work 
we've worked hard to have, to do, to be, to have our family, you know, dinner with our families or spend intimate time with people, what, whatever that that is or looks like, being able to enjoy that. And clothing was always something that I enjoyed. And, you know, many people around me enjoyed and was a part of my personal growth in figuring out who I was, specifically wardrobe wise and style wise and you know what that meant to me you know developing those things and certain tastes and things and understanding why something is you know like geez oh this is expensive well, why is it this expensive how are these things made what is the process what's the history behind it having all these nuances and things that give them value and so it's like you you know work hard and want to you know have these these things now let's enjoy them live in them be in them be present in them I think a, a couple of times you've mentioned sort of slowing down and reflection and, and that as the, like to sort of figure out what you need to do or what you want to do or who you are. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think that connects to also sort of the anxiety about time that we have, because you've also, also mentioned a couple of times about how we have such a short amount of time on this planet. And that to me is always, I think, where my base fear is. It's like, feels like I'm wasting time or I don't have enough time. So how can I possibly slow down mm-hmm. when I need to just keep going? But then I think I'm getting so now that I'm on meds for anxiety, I think it's gotten a lot easier to notice when I'm the hamster in the wheel and uh-huh. to slow down and be like, wait, what do I actually want to do in this moment? Yes. And, and, and so I've been working on doing that. And that is really, and I think sometimes it's, I, it's really easy to get back in the, in the wheel you know, but mm-hmm. I think it, it spills over into everything like of trying to like, for what, like I'm going to watch for, you know, movie tonight. It like, I, I I'm not going to do whatever, like the top 10 Netflix, I'm going to think about what do I actually want to watch or need right now? Like, what am mm-hmm. I working on? What, you know, do I need to laugh? Do I want to laugh or do I want to see a shitty movie or yeah. a great movie or, you know, whatever it is. And and I think that's the same thing for whatever, creative process or even like, oh, actually, I really do want to go to the grocery store right now. I think that will help rather than, oh, I have to do the grocery store right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's not a chore. It's a conscious choice um, for something that is, you know, going to make you feel better. But that's, that's, you know, that's hard with anxiety. How, How long have you been dealing with anxiety? Um, I think my whole life, but I, I Mm -hmm. sort of, um, I always, until recent, well, fairly recently. I mean, I think when I started therapy, which was like, I want to say four years ago was when I finally was like admitted that I had more than just a manageable amount or like that. I was sort of, I felt like therapy was for other people, not me. And that was the same Mm -hmm. way I felt about medication. That was the same Mm -hmm. way. So it's like, it's been this slowly breaking down that wall of like, Oh, helping myself is a good thing. Oh yeah. You know, like asking for help and exploring these things. So I think I always felt that I was a nervous kid. I sweat a lot. And those were all manifestations of anxiety, yeah. but I sort of just thought I was weird rather than seeing that that was anxiety. And, and, but like, I've always yeah had social anxieties or different things like that. I think mm-hmm. from as long, you know, as, as long as you can remember. Yeah. But you, you decided to do something or you know, when I say do like, you know, uh, be treated for that or kind of, find some sort of solution to be able to cope with your anxiety. That was more in, in recent years when you felt like, okay, like what, what do you think changed for you where you finally like as someone who didn't, you know, you weren't with like taking meds or going to see a therapist and all those things. Like, why do you think you felt that way? And then mm. what 
what changed for you? Did something happen or was it just like you woke up one day and you were like, Hey, you know what? I think I should try therapy or I should. Right. I think it's a convolution of or, uh, a lot of different uh, things, but I think mainly the main thing was learning. I learned a lot more about my anxiety when I met my partner, my, my mm-hmm. future wife and, and, and noticing her anxiety and seeing it was sort of more obvious than mine, but realizing that I had I was better at hiding it and I've been hiding it from myself or, or sort of being in denial about it. And so I learned through her. And then also when I'm like, Oh, I love this woman. And I'm also like not getting any younger. Like I want to be the best version of myself for her, for our future. Mm -hmm. So that was what finally was like, okay, I'm like an adult now let's like actually take responsibility and try and be better. And also Mm -hmm. once I like went and I also like knew that I would like therapy. I actually, it was never a thing of like not liking it. It's so mm-hmm. Andy. It's so talking about myself and being curious about myself. It's like, yeah, it's the most, uh, it's not fun necessarily, but like mm-hmm. it sometimes is the most invigorating part of my week or the most necessary just mm-hmm. to have someone listen to you for an hour, even though, and what it has also helped me do is find people that are better at doing that in, in my regular life. Like I'm feeling like I'm having that with you right now. And I hope yes. the same way back. Likewise, and, that's yes. because, and and because it's like, oh, this is how people listen. And because I feel like I, my whole life, I felt like I had to talk really fast or get through stuff because I had a very limited window of Amount people's of attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, and that's why I always feel like I'm not making sense or, you know, I, I still do it in therapy all the time at the end of a, like a long scent. I'm like, did that make sense? Where did I go? You know, and mm-hmm. we've had that moment four times today. I just yes. sort of my base level. And it's mostly like, oh, no one could understand me anyway. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that necessarily answered your question. Uh, I think I've always been a person. Well, at least I think the moment was senior or going into college. I mm-hmm. last second didn't go to University of Washington, which is like the home college basically. And I would have roomed with like a friend from high school and would have known like 50 people from high school. The last Mm -hmm. second I went to Ithaca college in upstate New York where I didn't know anybody. And Mm -hmm. that to me was the, the moment where I was like, okay, no, I need to challenge myself and get out of my comfort zone. And it was terrifying every single time. But like when I would do travel, like when I would travel across uh, Europe country, Mm -hmm. all these adventures, they became the, like, they're always hard every single time but they're always the best things that I've ever done. And I learn about myself. And that, that was my way of, I think, learning and, and sort of co- not conquering the anxiety because it's always there, but sort sure. of, uh, figuring out how to play with it, I guess, or to live Working with it. it. Yeah, yeah. Or even like the anxiety is sort of, it's definitely fuels a lot of my creativity too, you know? So, and I, I imagine, is that the same for you? Yeah. I've, I agree. I feel like, you know, anxiety can be sort of a, a catalyst for getting things done. You know, it's like that flight or fight response. Yeah. And, or, you know, so, you know, some people who like work great under a deadline because there's a deadline, you have this fire under your ass to get things done and you're able to do it. Whereas if you have, you know, uh, there's sort of gray areas and, you know, when things need to be accomplished, or whatever else, you know, we like, and I'll, I'll do this plenty of times, like just procrastinating. You're like, eh. I'll get to it later. I'll get, you know, get to it here and there. So I think that anxiety can help. It helps me sometimes, especially under like pressure, you know, under, under pressure for a lot of things, I guess it's sort of what you make it like my, my therapist sort of framed it in a way where she's like, you know, you just have to sort of like with grief, anxiety is just going to sort of exist. 
And you have to be okay with uh, existing in it and understand that there's an ebb and flow with anxiety. It goes up, it goes down, and eventually it's going to go down. And, you know, acknowledging it when it happens and being able to sit in in that sort of discomfort and nervous energy acknowledging for what it is, but also knowing, okay, probably in like, you know, 20, maybe 30 minutes, I'll feel back to normal. This is just what I'm feeling in this moment. And so being able to sort of work through it, you know, work through it or work with it. What was that? There's a Batman animated movie where she talks about pain, where he like somebody, he she smacks herself with a stick in, in the head and bleeds. And it's like, Bruce, we work through the pain. We is don't that Mask of Phantasm? It. I don't know. That's like the best animated movie. I'm not sure though. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, look, I, don't even get me started and pull out my Batman animated series. Uh, <laughs> all of them. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it was either like Batman Year One or... Oh, okay. Yeah. One of one of those were like multiple... It was the one where they had like multiple stories. Um, I think like there were kids and they had like multiple stories or versions of Batman. But I... I, I I like that particular one. Like that always stood out to me. She's like, we work through the pain. I'm like, oh, we work. What is that? What is that like? You know, like. Yeah. Well, because it, it is. It's like the pain. There's always going to be new pain. The pain never goes away, especially mm-hmm. when it's grief or and then anxiety is a, a type of pain. I think, uh, yeah. you know, basically a pain of living, a pain of uh, a pain of uncertainty. That's what mm-hmm. it is. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know what's going to happen. And none of us do. Um, but yeah, I think I've, I was going to ask you in terms of creating, like, I've actually realized that sometimes I do better. Like when I'm actually writing, writing, it's sort of just music or nothing, but when I'm sort of ideating or uh-huh. like sort of things are percolating, like I, it feels like mm-hmm. my, I'm actually, my water is boiling. It almost mm-hmm. feels like that. It's actually mm-hmm. the more things that are going on, the better. Like, it's like this multitasking thing where I could be doing the dishes or, or, or no, making coffee, you mm-hmm. know, writing out notes on my laptop, the music is playing and maybe even like a baseball on mute is happening on the TV. Yeah. And that like, yeah. it actually feels great. And like, I could even be texting people if like something comes up. Cause it's sort mm-hmm. of like everything is happening. I'm just sort of addressing them as it hits me. Uh, does yes. either of those things sound familiar to you? Yeah. I, as the music or no music, like that sort of thing in, in the process of w- getting work done, thousand percent thousand percent but and actually yeah i would i would agree with you know that sort of before period like if you, I, I need to like knock out financials or something like that in a spreadsheet then i'm probably not going to have music on because i'm like i need to concentrate mm. but when you are in that sort of process before the before the execution process that ideation process I think I totally relate with that. And just the fact that there is, there's a movement, there's motion and thought and environment. It's this sort of constant flow back and forth of energy. Maybe that's like, you know, like the ADD in us or something like that. You can jump off the fly and let me address these things as, as they come. And there's a comfort in that, but also, having that movement and that motion and being able to to work your way through all of these things i think is when those moments hit that then you can execute them later right like this is that's in that stage where i'm like 
I'm kind of feeling something. It's like those moments I'll have with certain designs where like being in that scenario of like, there's music on here or the podcast here or blah, 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 all of these different things going on. And then I'm like, I need a pen. I need a pen. I need a pen. And I'm (laughs) I'm sketching some shit out, like, you know, on a piece of paper. And then I'm like, okay, you know, let me go take a walk for a second. I'm gonna come back. You come back and, you know, these, these, uh, maybe even ritualistic practices that we have, which, which is on another tangent is another reason I think I was, uh, attracted to like classic menswear more so than like, you know, streetwear and those things, um, was the ritualistic aspects of it, having to button up your, your fly or, you know, all of these things having different, functions and there's this ritualistic nature in it and i think it's sort of the same with creativity for our minds to be active sometimes we need that motion that movement these things going on to stumble upon those ideas yeah yeah and i think well and it's even all that movement or energy i think sort of distracts the negative voice too you know, like, or like there's less, there's less, there's less room for it. Like when I'm hiking, you know, and I love to hike and that's sort of my exercise. That's all I sort of do to exercise except for softball. And it's sort of like some days I don't write anything and I'm just sort of in a zone. Mm -hmm. And other times I'm like, Oh, there's just, you know, whatever is bothering me comes up and and, Mm -hmm. and it's sort of just like, Oh, I collect them, write them down on my phone. And then I just keep going. But like, yeah, I, it's not, I'm not sitting there. It's when I'm sitting down and being still that the negative mm-hmm. voice is winning more often. So it, yeah, I, I think it is that sort of the nervous energy. You can use that against it in a way of sort of like, okay, I need to do this. I need to do this. Yes. I don't have time to be like, oh, I'm going to burn the, burn the pancakes, like whatever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the pancakes will be like, or whatever it is that I'm making will be however they are yeah. when I get to them, you know? So and you don't have, you don't have like a designated time that you sit down and you're like, I'm going to write Tuesday from two to 5 PM is, is when I write things, or it's just a, when it comes to you, when you have an idea, you sit down and make time to get that done. I've always gotten into trouble when I've tried to force the issue and I, and felt like I needed to do it every, but like I, and especially now, cause I'm like, I'm realizing that that I want to host a podcast and do all these things Mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily me writing my scripts. Right. And Mm -hmm. then sometimes that voice would be like, what are you doing? You're not doing the thing that you love to do. And it's like, wait, no, I love to do this too. You know, Mm -hmm. and I, and I'm also, I'm writing the intro I'm doing, there's writing and all that stuff is part. It's all part of the same thing. Of course. So for me, it's, I think it's sort of what presses on my brain and when do I need to do it? And Mm -hmm. I I'm sort of ideating or, you know, sort of crossing off things, doing all the banal producer kind of stuff or editing or yeah. social media, whatever emails. I love writing emails, but to me that like email emails is an art. You're the I, only person on the planet. <laughs> I will not, not like business emails, but like, I really do like corresponding through email. Like that's okay. why I write these like really long emails that no one reads. I'm just yeah. like, this is how I, that's how I learned to communicate actually. Like I think that and and we mentioned before uh, on like we were recording aim like that it's was how messenger. I communicated so that's my comfort zone and why I think I can do eight different windows at once is because I was talking to eight different people at the same time yeah um, we, we had Napster in one window point yes. in the other one and like <laughs> Legend of Zelda in another one <laughs> that's true which I mean <laughs> it's the generation it's probably fucked us over but also made us be able to be like superhuman in some way too. Um, we're becoming, I guess, coming the computer. I don't know. 
Yeah. Um, the Napster, we're the Napster age, man. It's like the Napster age. We, yeah, we were part of that Napster age, and we were around when they people were still using floppy disks and playing Frogger, you know, with like a green screen to you know, now us having this like incredible technology and we're on video calls and all these things. And we were there to, you know, we had like typing classes in school and you had this thing aim where, you know, all you had to do is be able to type quickly and you could like talk to all your friends all the time. And, you know, there was so many things I think centered around, you know, childhood and and growing up that, um, sort of ingrain the the, the uh, technology side of things into us and how we interact, having a MySpace and, you know, instant messenger and chat rooms and all of these things where it's like, you can probably type with your eyes closed if you wanted to, like, we, yeah. you know, yeah, it sounds crazy, but for us that it's like, yeah, we could, you've, you've been using these things for so long and so accustomed to them. It is, it's second nature. Yeah, it's like anything. If I think about it, I can't. But if I'm if I'm right. just going, yeah, I can. Yeah, I do that. I mean, that's I'm, sort of similar to writing and creating too. I think it's like, yes. oh, I just let it go, and then once I'm starting to think about, oh wait, what's happening? Then it's gone. Mm-hmm. But it's or, or it's like I'm overthinking. I, I I got in the way of what the fingers were doing. Yes. Um, just follow the body. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting because I think all those things sort of trained us to be a little bit. Well, it trained us into who we are, but also sort of better able to handle and equip some of the stuff that's going on. I, you know, it's interesting to be, well, to be a previous generation or also the the, the one after us where they sort of just uh-huh. grew up with having all the tech. And I, I sort right. of, I do really like having sort of grown up with it in this way, but it's also, mm-hmm. if, I feel like it gives me a little bit more awareness, but it's also, and just as scary, I think, uh, or it's scary kind of too, <laughs> to like see those changes. Cause like now yeah. I am the old man, right? Like that's what it feels like. But I'm sure even like 20 year olds feel that way when they see like their 12 year old cousin with, you know, whatever it is. Um, yeah. so it's just, that's just what nature that's. Yeah. They pop out of the womb knowing how to like, you know, log on to Instagram and, you know, watch YouTube. Like it's, it's incredible how that transfers and yeah, they're doing these, Zoom in the womb now. Yeah. It's, just, <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Bloop, bloop, bloop. Um, Connecting to other baby, un, unborn children around the world. Yeah. That's, that's a short story I'm never going to write. But <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. Yeah. This feels like a um, feels like an 80s action movie. It's like, what's going to be the, the future? I sort of promised at the beginning that we would delve into a little bit of masculinity. Sure. Um, yes. And, yeah, I, and I, was, I was wondering, I yeah. And I was going to, I was going to ask you, how do you think that plays into the drive for success, that fear of failure and that need for stability that we've been sort of talking about? I think those things are sort of ingrained in us and just a part of, you know, societal, standards and you know human standards of things we have these sort of milestones um and moments that are sort of there and you know this sort of like you know ethereal clock on the wall that is ticking and we're married by this age or you know engaged by this age married by this age kids by this age 
you know, getting ready to retire, like this, this sort of thing that was of our parents more so, but those times have changed and information is different and plentiful. COVID has changed. There, there's so many things that have, have changed that this one dimensional sort of landscape that was sort of ingrained in us. And so there's this like innate need to be providers as men or be leaders, be be confident to, you know, make a certain amount of money. You don't make a certain amount of money. You can't even freaking date because you can't afford to go on a date, you know, to meet people. You can't hang out or do things. So I have to have something that is stable, that is solid to just function in um, society. Uh, you know, that's for anyone, you know, but I think as, as men, it's like, if you, and I don't know if it's maybe like, because I guess if I had to to compare it, you know, with like male privilege, like, you know, we have a privilege as men to leave our homes, leave our homes and go for a jog at, you know, two o'clock in the morning in the dark. And, you know, as long as we're running in a, you know, a decent neighborhood, or whatever, you know, it's like, okay. Or, you know, go out on, on dates and not have to think about like, what is going to be my exit strategy here if things happen and all those things. I don't know if it's, you know, some of that, like in terms of male privilege, it's like, okay, you know, nobody's going to discriminate you because you're a guy or whatever these, you know, possible things that could happen to you if you were a woman, you know, you don't have to deal with that. Therefore, you know, nobody's like, you know, your your pay is, you know, higher than mine or, you know, all of these, these shitty things that, you know, should yeah. be, it should be equal. And it isn't, it's like, okay, you don't have to deal with that. So you should be, you know, you should be, a-okay, like have, you know, you're able to have the career you want and have these things and you should have these things. And I don't, you know, I don't know, I guess maybe, you know, there's just a, a pressure there, like I said, to provide, to perform, to feel adequate, to, yeah, I don't know. I, I agree with everything you said. And I think it also now extends to everyone, right? I think whoever you are, we feel this pressure to succeed now because of we've course. gotten to be closer to equal, like that everyone is sort of expected to be incredible at everything and make every money. And also like the, yes. the bar to like be able to afford anything is so much higher. So you have to just, you have to succeed at everything or in anything. Um, but I was also, when you mentioned male privilege, I, I then hearken back to the beginning of this conversation. Where I was talking about what I didn't wear. Right. And, mm -hmm. and that I, I had a lot more leniency being the the dude in sweats, uh, you know, or the dude in uh, shorts. Like if, and, mm -hmm. if I'm in high school, middle school, intermediate, and I'm a, a, a woman in trying to do that, like there's mm -hmm. a lot more expectation or pressure to dress, dress up. Day. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, I, yeah, my privilege was like that story, women listening, like, what the fuck? Like, uh, <laughs> I just realized, like, and I didn't, I just realized that right now. No, uh, and, so but like, that's a part of the, the journey as, right. as men and us learning these things and being okay to, to be like, oh shit, I just totally said something that, you know, I realized like that's a part of it and yes being I mean, you know being able to to stop and acknowledge those things or have those conversations and be able to learn and be better as men not and not so much 
you know, sir, uh, not be trash. Like <laughs> a lot of men are trash, but yeah, let's you know, not be trash. Let's yeah. not, let's be slightly less than trash, please. Bare minimum. <laughs> let's, let's, you know, no, there, there is enough trash on this world. There's enough trash on this world in the ocean. Let's be like recycling bins. Let's be like compost bins. Oh, yes. Yeah, let's, let's strive. Compost. Let's I strive like for it to be compost bins. <laughs> we can't be perfect, but let's strive please yes yeah i like i like that as our 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 message as we sort of uh uh, go off into the sunset a very masculine idea but i am stoked that we had this conversation i'm stoked like i could go on forever i think i could go yeah we could you could go on forever Um, and i sort of was just wondering uh on the subject of friendship and i think uh Mm -hmm. for me you know this is a new relationship that we're having right now Mm -hmm. this is the Mm -hmm. first time we've ever talked really in person or certainly in person and right. seen each other. And I'm just wondering for you, what in a friendship like deems it worth nurturing and how can I be the best friend, collaborator, whatever it is that you need from me uh, for you? Likewise. I, I mean, um, I think with friendships, I just value like people being genuine and you know, authentic to themselves, which is, you know, this is a theme we definitely talked about today, you know, being supportive and understanding. And I would hope they would expect those things of me too. I'll say as an entrepreneur, it's been a lot harder for me in maintaining friendships and Cause I, I mean, I'll, I'll say like, I, I was, I could be bad even prior to being an entrepreneur where like, you know, I might go MIA for a little bit, or it might take me a while to respond to people or just kind of be like, I'm a, I'm a very introverted person. So sometimes I will take quiet space to re- sort of recharge myself or mm. whatever else. I think therapy has helped with that. Cause I think part of that was being able to cope with certain things. And I think that's a, you know, another run on like with men and mental health and needing a place to be able to speak about the things that bother us or discover things about ourselves or be able to cope with things and work through them and having a safe space to do that. And, you know, but it also being like, we there's, this should no longer be a stigmatized thing, you know, that, being able to check on yourself, you know, take your, take your temperature and being able to, to speak with someone candidly, I think is, is important, but has always been looked at as, you know, weakness or instability and all those things. But I think it's, you know, taken uh, a turn for the better these days with, we've, we've been through this crazy fucking pandemic. Everybody needs therapy, you know, after that shit, like the world needs therapy, Um, you know, no longer, you know, reserve a certain thing. So we need that. So with, so I'm saying that like with, with it's, it was harder for me, especially in that period of like, when I started the brand that 2014 to hell, even like, you know, 2019 or whatever, where there was so much going on and so many things that I juggle, it's still a struggle for me, but I think basically what I said, I, I I think people understanding that and us knowing that our, you know, everyone's situation is different. Everyone's life is different. I think people forget that sometimes, especially in our age where we get older, people become married or they have kids and, 
you know, it's easier for them to relate to people, kids, because you have the same schedule and the same issues and same things. But, you know, we're all different. Everybody, everyone's day may not look like what, you know, your day is. And I think it's important for us to just kind of be understanding of people and know, like, you know, even if I don't know the entire situation, maybe someone is going through something or, you know, just has a lot going on. But I think, you know, true friendships. I have people are close to me. I might, it, it might be three, four months since I was spoken to them, but you know, in that fifth month we speak and it's like, we're picking up where we left off. Nothing, nothing has ever happened. Cause I think there's always a, you know, mutual love and respect and understanding of each other. And there's no clock. I, I love that. I think understanding is, is, is a huge through line for me too. And, and that, Yes. What, what would you, I will be understanding. I mean, and I think we sort of, we, I think we were both understanding through this process because it's oh, yeah. a, a long, we both on, were, yeah, we a, both a had, had some things going on. Yeah. But it, like, it, and, and I think it actually works for me too. Like that sort of, uh, I think I run hot and cold sometimes in terms of communication. It depends on what uh-huh. is pressing on the brain. Right. And yeah. like, we had this thing scheduled for maybe September we were trying to do. And mm-hmm. then like, it didn't happen. And that was fine because I had a whole month adventure that I went on and it would, I didn't have space, you know? So it it worked out. I know you were very apologetic, but it like, honestly was like, this is when we were supposed to do it. Yeah. And I, I will strive to have that same attitude and and that awareness of that. Yeah. Awareness operate on my schedule. And Mm -hmm. also, you know, I I think it's also the, the lack of, it goes back to pressure for me. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. like the pressure of having to do anything with someone at a specific time necessarily, or like, it feels like we haven't done anything. We have to do something this month or whatever it is. It's sort of like, it'll happen, not necessarily naturally, but like, we're going to see each other. And I think I have the same relationship, a lot of people where it's like, whenever we finally have that conversation or that hangout, Mm -hmm. it'll be great. And it's nice to have people to understand that, like, you know, our lives we're all doing, we're all trying to chase these dreams, right? Or these yes. ambitions or whatever yes. the hell we're trying to do. Yes. And that doesn't always mean we can be, we can't be available always. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I, I understand. Uh, this has been so fun and, and thank you so and, much. And, and thank you so much uh, for, yeah. Uh, going on this journey with me. Uh, thank Marcel. you. Thanks yes. for yeah walking into the forest. Very grateful. I'm I'm very grateful too. It's it's much better than uh, winding up like Hansel and Gretel. We we went through the forest and had it's it's nice to have some you know good conversation and sort of break out of. And this is why you know podcasts like these like yours are are so important and are great. You know to get people to pause and think outside of themselves and engage and listen and and learn and and stop you know the usual sort of rat race to check out and we were able to you know express ourselves and have these uh sort of vulnerable conversations and i'm sure you know there're plenty more to be had there's so much to talk about i think in you know vulnerability alone especially as men and as people in general as we pursue our careers and our dreams and you know all of these things that are so important to us you're you're vulnerable in a lot of those those moments um but it's all about how we work through that and so thank you for having me i was a part of this space this sacred space with you know your listeners and yourself you know giving me a platform to you know talk about me and and your buttons and buttons yeah (laughs) 
buttons in Batman and horror movies. Is hey, like, we have a- to do a horror movie one. Okay, we'll do we'll Eventually, do one. Yeah. Uh, we doesn't we don't have to wait till Halloween. We'll we'll talk about it. Halloween sure. is Halloween is, is all always. year. Yes. yes, Halloween is Grinch night is is all year all year round. I I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, thank you so much, and and you're welcome. Yeah. I had a, a cunning thing to say, and now it is lost. But let's see. Oh, Shit. vulnerable oh. spaces. Vulnerable spaces. You sort of mentioned that. that's what this, that's what this show is. It's me practicing it and trying to put myself to that. Like all this was, was me sending a lifeline to a stranger. Right. But I, the Mm -hmm. only connection we had was that you made this tie and it's fucking cool. And I wanted to talk to who made it, you know, it's curiosity. And to me now we, we, I hesitate to say friends. I don't want to like lay, put a label on it, but like friends. Yeah. yeah, We can talk about anything now. That's great. And also like, I want to go to Virginia and say hi, yes. you know, and you can come to LA and like that. Yes. I'd love to never been to LA. So, Oh, well, there you go. Um, <laughs> we'll roll out the red carpet classic Likewise. scenario that never happens for, <laughs> <laughs> but it will. Cause uh, I'm going to wear, we're all going to wear your clothes on the red carpet coming soon. Yeah. Coming there soon. we go. Roll it out. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Marcel. Thanks so much. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you, Andy. I appreciate you too. And I appreciate everyone listening to us. We'll talk soon, everyone. This episode made me so happy listening to it back, hearing Marcel and I trade rambles as we wandered through the forest, getting to know each other. Because isn't that what it's all about? And in so doing, realizing how similar our creative brains work, down to even how we speak. I needed this conversation when I had it and when I edited it. And now I'm going to follow Marcel's lead and repeat what he said during our conversation. I am supposed to be here. I belong here. I'm doing the right things. I'm there. It just takes time. I'm good enough. Say it with me if you want. I'm good enough. Thanks again, Marcel, for joining me and trusting me and to you all for listening. I'm so grateful. You can find Marcel's soundtrack and all other Naked Man soundtracks on the Naked Man Spotify page. If you like what I'm doing, if you like what you're hearing, do me a favor. Please tell someone else about the podcast. Rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell everyone. It would mean a lot to me. And if you'd like to join our community... Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Naked Man Pod, and don't hesitate to reach out to us at nakedmanpod at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts and feelings you'd like to share, call and leave a message at the Naked Man phone line at 747-231-7120. Next time on the Naked Man Podcast, a return to the monologues. But in the meantime, as my dad always says, be sweet.
This episode of the Naked Man Podcast was conceived by Andy Green in collaboration with Marcel P. Ames. The Naked Man is a podcast hosted, created, and produced by me, Andy Green. All music was composed by Robert Panico, and all graphics were created by Christopher Miles.